Hello, RP people, and welcome back to another episode of Role Playing as Smart People, and a little series I like to call One on One with Santa. Yeah. And joining me today, I have a very special guest, CEO of Free League and lead designer of Blade Runner RPG, Thomas Herrenstem. Hello. Hello. Before I get started, I just want to say before we uh, started this recording, I did do the Turing test and he did pass mostly. So <laughs> I don't. Yeah. yeah. So he he's human, I think. Never know. You never can't quite tell. No, you never know who a replicant is. Like they look yeah. just like humans nowadays. They do. Yeah. Uh, so, Thomas, before we get started on talking about uh, Blade Runner, I got one little question. Uh, how did you actually first get started in the tabletop hobby? Oh, that goes way back. I, I started playing in the mid 80s. Uh, that's that's how old I am. Uh, it was a big <laughs> craze back then here. I, we're really is a Swedish company. So we're, this is where we're from. And it, it was a big uh, kind of a thing. In the mid '80s, a couple of the Swedish titles came out. Back then, it was, you, you know, most of the titles that we played were, were local. Um, mm -hmm. So I started out playing back then, and I kind of didn't stop. I did have a bit of a break at some point. Uh, then for a while, a number of years there, around the you know turn of the millennium, but I didn't really play that much. But then uh, I kind of got back into it uh, in a big way. Oh, nice. It, it's kind of it's kind of funny because I find a lot of people who played back in the 80s uh, or even like more recent than that, a lot of them seem a lot of people seem to almost have taken a taken a break at some point before mm. always coming back to the hobby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have a new game coming out uh, based on the IP Blade Runner um, for anyone who's not familiar with the setting would you be able to give a quick rundown of exactly what it is yeah sure i mean the the the, the game is based on primarily i mean on obviously the two blade runner films and also the other media that has been produced uh, in in this franchise there have been the the short films that were done prior to the 2049 film and and also some video games and other things that have been made in that have taken place in this in this universe so that's kind of the basis for the game and well it's a near future setting but it's almost like more of an alternate future now it's our game is set in 2037 which is in between the two films the original film was set in 2019 uh, obviously it didn't quite play out the way uh, the film uh, from 1982 uh, you know imagined it 2019 to be, but, but <laughs> so and the, the 2049 film continued kind of the timeline of the original film, and that's also the timeline that we are in. But it's perhaps not our timeline, but it is a, a sort of a bleak, dystopian, neon noir future where uh, where you have you know these uh, mighty corporations have taken power, and and uh, humanity has employed the services of replicants, which are basically artificial human beings. And uh, there is, uh, of course, the Blade Runner unit. The Blade Runners, they are a special unit uh, within the uh, Los Angeles Police Department that have their job has been, it has varied a little bit throughout the years, but, but they are, in our game, their job is to investigate all kinds of crimes that are, is, that are in some way, one way or another, connected to the replicant industry. So that, and that can take a variety of different, different forms. 
I mean, in the original 20, film set in 2019, the, the job of a replicant was to hunt and kill replicants. And, and while that can potentially happen, that's not all you do in this game. That's kind of an important distinction that we made early on. So it's the work of a Blade Runner can take many forms. But that's basically the setting or the, the premise uh, of the game. Oh, nice. So it sounds like the game actually focuses more on like an investigation type style or... Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's the, the whole gameplay sense. You will, at least in the core game, we might you know expand this later, but in the core game, you will play Blade Runners. But in, in this year uh, of, the, of the world, of the setting, the Blade Runners uh, is also employ replicants so that you can play a human Blade Runner or a replicant Blade Runner. As you have seen in the 2049 film, there is a, you know, they have the main character, K, is a replicant Blade Runner. Uh, so that option is is also in the game. And, and you will be investigating cases that in some way are connected to the replicants and replicant industry and in that, well, it can be any type of thing. It can be, you know, disappearances. It can be any, well, there could be so many different things that are, because this, the replicant industry is, is a big thing in this world. Uh, in this, uh, it's run by something called the Wallace Corporation that is kind of controlling things. And this uh, Blade Runner unit is kind of stuck in the middle there, trying to somehow, you know, make sense of things and, and trying to, you know, in, in one way or another, kind of uh, keep keep order and and kind of keep the peace because there is uh, tensions around replicants uh, on on Earth because there there's been a replicant uprising previously and there are you know tensions around that and so the Blade Runners are really in the middle of that, trying to keep the peace and investigate these cases that they come across. Honestly, like I, I've I actually only was introduced to the Blade Runner uh, movies, especially the old one, not too long ago. So hearing all this, like it, I think I know this question, but were you a were you a fan of Blade Runner before you got the IP for uh, before you got the IP for it? He, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think <laughs> it's, one of, it's one of those films, you know, that you kind of uh, saw at an perhaps too early age, but they kind of made a huge impression. So it's been, yeah, definitely it's been one of those films that has stayed, uh, stayed with me ever since. I didn't see it when it came out. I was a bit too young uh, in 1982. Uh, but, but yeah, in the late summer, I don't know exactly what year, but in the late 80s, some, somewhere around there. As a young teenager, I, I saw it and it made a huge impression. Oh, that's that's awesome. I, I I I think everyone has one of those movies where they're definitely too young to see it, but it made yeah. such an impression on them that it just stuck with them for their entire life. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know Blade Runner tackles a lot of I would say sensitive issues uh in like the movies, especially like in the movies, like you it, has notes of slavery it talks about the sex trade how did you put that in the book but in a way that would be a little like how did you tackle it in the book to cover it but not to make it so grim i would say yeah yeah it that was definitely a challenge and that is a challenge i think there are two parts of this. One thing is that obviously this is a fairly grim game. I think you have to kind of know that going in. I don't think this is not <laughs> a game you should play if you, I mean, there are other, we have other games that are, you know, if you want to just roll some dice and have some fun and, and go on an adventure, mm -hmm. there are other games that do that uh, better. 
this game does tackle some some difficult issues and i think that's kind of the part of the point of of the of the films as well i mean that's kind of what they do uh but uh at the same time obviously you can you also have to handle these issues in a you know in a responsible way and, and in a way that you know players can still kind of play these cases and 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 feel you know that it's you know still enjoyable and not not just you know depressing and and uh, definitely and that's also one of the reasons that we expanded the role of the blade runner uh, as it is and not only by us by the way that's been done in other other media as well but definitely that we wanted the blade runner to be something uh, a wider uh, type of role than we have perhaps seen at least in in the original film uh, uh, so, so so that was important to give blade runners different things to do and and another thing is that these case files that are the cases that that uh, the blade runners investigate we were uh, very careful to design them in a way that will uh, place will give players the option to do the right thing if that makes sense i mean you will not this is not the game and also the game mechanics do that as well there is a system where you get points you get promotion points by doing your job which might be you know do in some cases doing bad things but you also get humanity points which are even more important that you get awarded for doing you know the right thing or the human thing whether you're a replicant or human but still doing you know a humane act and and so we really encourage players to not always do their job but to go against the you know go against orders go against the system that's kind of rewarded in the game uh, mechanically so that's also important that it's really part of obviously the the franchise and the films but also this game that that it's not about just you know doing your job and be happy about it when you're in in, in this kind of a system but rather going against the system is kind of the point of the whole thing. So that's, that's also something we were, felt was really important to get into, uh, get into the game. That's actually really cool. Cause a lot of times with a lot of RPGs, you see people put in uh, almost morality, but a lot of times it's just kind of thrown thrown in. I'm not going to name any names of any other RPGs, but sometimes you just see, it's like, Oh yeah, they're chaotic. Good. They're neutral evil. And it doesn't really impact the game in any way, but it sounds like you've been able to take the morality, but also, you know, some of the negative things that humans or replicants, if they are around, which they're not, uh, and take that, like, take issues that they may actually struggle with and make them decide whether or not their job is more important or doing the right thing and that's actually really fascinating you don't see that too often yeah i mean it's it's i think that's it had to be that way at least the way we see it because it would be very difficult to make a blade runner rpg that does not in in some way you know manage or handle issues of this kind i think then it would kind of be pointless to call it blade runner because that's such a big part <laughs> of <laughs> kind of the franchise so but it is a diff it is it is a challenge and i think it's important going getting into this game and that's why we also have a content warning on the back of the book and, and so on that you should know what you're getting into and you should not play this game with you know kids or or i mean it, it, you should have you know approach it responsibly uh, i think that's important too no that that's yeah no i i'm still just thinking about like the mechanic like that that is really cool and speaking of the mechanics it seems like this 
is a lot different than the traditional mutant year zero system that you use in most of your games what what made you decide to change it for this yeah this is a bit of a different version of that it actually it's still kind of the same core engine but it 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 does change things a bit uh i think the main change is that in the most of our other games that use the system that we call the year zero engine it has a pool of d6 dice and you roll them and you want to roll as many as possible and roll as many sixes as possible basically Mm -hmm. this version does it a bit differently they use uh, dice with different number of sides on them from six to twelve and you still want to roll six or more which is of course easier to do on a d10 d12 Mm -hmm. But you always, well, not always, but you typically roll two dice instead of a pool of, of D6s. And, and instead, the better dice, the higher, the more number of sides they have, it's kind of the way you, you have a better chance or better better ability. So that's, but so there's a difference there, but it's actually in the way the other parts are not that different. It's, it's, uh, it's still, you have this pushing mechanic that we use that you can... Uh, re-roll a, a dice roll at some risk or cost which is kind of also it's, it's in, in other games also that's kind of there and that's not changed and some other things that are we have four attributes with three skills connected to each that's also in most of our other games uh, so that's also still here so there's definitely bits that are the same uh, i think the reason we made this change in going with this what you call step dice that you can step the dice up or down from a d8 to a d10 and, and so on instead of a dice pool is is that we felt this game relies heavily on on having lots of uh, uh, handouts and maps and things it's an investigation type game that's at its core is what you do solve cases and there's lots of handouts and stuff that you get as a player and we want to just playing when we test play this and just putting all this stuff out on on the table you want kind of the focus to be on all of these maps and handouts and you have uh, mug shots of, of uh, people you meet and all kinds of things and having a dice pulled up like 10 dice on top of that or even more because maybe usually you have like a bunch of each player has their own little dice pool and it can be a, in the other games basically what happens is you have a lot of dice on the table which is you know fun but for this game we felt we wanted the dice to be a bit more you know not as much in focus we wanted kind of the handouts to be the focus and that's why we decided on a system that is a variation of of, of that uh, the engine that has just two dice it can be three but typically two because it kind of gets it's less uh, intrusive on the table basically so that's really the the main reason for that oh that's that's super cool so it sounds it sounds like you really kind of wanted to tailor the system to mesh well with the actual setting and theme of the game um that yeah definitely i mean that's it's uh it's what we do in every game really it it, we really try to tweak or or adapt the system so it really kind of ties into the setting and and the themes and everything so it kind of works together as a as a whole that's kind of one of the sort of core philosophies that we have even though we do use this core engine that is the same but we alter it and adapt it pretty much heavily for each title oh yeah no that that's fantastic like i i I, i'm like a little amateur designer i don't do anything fancy but i i've always thought that not that mechanics should come second but they should always be tailored 
to the setting because you can you can throw in i've seen games with tons of different mechanics that are thrown in just to kind of almost pop it up but they don't seem to have any real they don't seem to actually do much with the actual setting and i that's one of the reasons why i actually love free league products is because you can tell that it's been tailored to the actual setting and no real question there. I just want to say good freaking no, totally job agree. on that. <laughs> no, no, thank you. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's what we, it, I mean, I'm glad it, you know, you can, you know, you, it shows because that's really what we tried to do. Oh yeah. Um, when you're, when you're actually creating this system, I, I, I gotta ask, was there any times that you guys kind of got stuck with something you wanted to do, but it just wasn't working? Uh, in this particular game, not really. I mean, there's always challenges that come up and then you kind of have to work around them. I think one of the challenges was the system for <clears throat> promotion points and humanity points. That, that during development of the game, that, that we changed that around a bit uh, to get it to work. Uh, that's, that, but there's the, always challenges that come up. It's also just to get things right in terms of one difficulty in this game in particular is uh, in in the films replicants are stated uh, to be stronger and faster than humans. I mean, physically mm-hmm. more. I mean, but at the same time, it, it's still possible to kind of mistake a human for a replicant. I mean, or at least you know not know which is which. It's kind of also a big part of of you know, the films and uh, this not really knowing who is a human, who's replicant, but still the replicants are supposed to be faster and stronger. So we had to kind of find a balance there where they are faster and stronger, but not that much faster mm-hmm. and stronger that it would just be completely obvious who's a replicant. I mean, just mechanically obvious. So we kind of had, had a, we have a, that, that, that was a, kind of a tricky balance to strike, to find that, uh, to kind of, give replicants something that they feel different, you know, mechanically, but not that much different that it's just becomes, you know, it would be ludicrous to, to mistake one for it for a human. So that was a balance that we had to strike. So that was one of the challenges. Oh, nice. So is there a way for a player to not know if he is or isn't a replicant? Yeah, there is actually, we, this is a uh, we, we because this is such a kind of a thing in in the films mm. uh, and of course the whole discussion in the first film where the Deckard is a replicant or not, then they play on that in the second film where the K is actually who's supposedly a replicant if he's actually human. I mean, they, they so that's it's such a big part of the franchise. This not really knowing who is who is what, and we wanted to give that option that possibility in the game, but also in role playing games. Generally speaking, it's not fun to kind of be surprised unless you want to be surprised, if that makes sense. You kind of have to be in on that. So the way we resolve that is that if uh, if you're supposedly human, uh, a character who is supposedly human, you can choose whether you, as a player uh, or as a group, uh, in the gaming group can decide, should, should we have, because there's an optional rule to have secret replicants. And then actually you roll a die, just a six-sided die. And if you roll a, a one on that die, it's rolled secretly by the by the game master or game runner, as they call uh, here. And if it comes up a one, this particular character is actually a replicant. But then the player will not know that. 
but they do but the player has the choice uh, or the group has the choice to roll these dice or not if they want to kind of have that possibility in their game they can if they don't want that it's also fine perhaps you don't at all want to be a secret replicant and then you don't have to kind of be end up in that situation but yeah there's definitely that as an we so we put it in as an optional rule oh that sounds good um it sounds it sounds like this game is meant more for the role-playing aspect uh instead of just pure combat but how, how does combat work in uh this setting or well, the system yeah uh, i mean basically it's fairly straightforward i mean we in all our games almost but i think gen as a general trend in our games combat is fairly fast and deadly uh so that we, we it's not and it's it does have it's some rules crunch but not overly crunchy and and in this game we wanted to dial down the crunch to focus as you say on on the invest the character development and role playing and the case uh, work the investigation and that meant combat could not be too complex because then they would take focus away from the other areas which are more thematically you know important really but then of course you do want your action scenes to happen and they should be you know fast and exciting and and that's mm. what we tried to do so it's a fairly rules light system but it does create kind of intense short bursts of action rather than long drawn out it's not a game to run like huge long battles it's not really built for that it's more built for fast fast confrontations and also something we added <clears throat> that we have actually i think it's i think it's the only one of our games that we have that is that we have a chase mechanic because chases are also kind of key i mean as you've seen it in Blade runner films so, so we wanted to kind of give that as an option as well to bring in where you kind of chase each other there are foot rules for foot chases and and uh, vehicle chases ground vehicles but also for aerial vehicles if you uh, have these spinner flying cars uh, and have chases between with them it's something that and we have a mechanic for that we can kind of generate randomly generate obstacles that pop up in the middle of a chase and you have to overcome those and maneuver around them and you can do different chase maneuvers and things so that that is something we put in that kind of it's combat related if it's not if not combat exactly but the chase mechanic i think is something that is uh because it's it's uh also felt right for this game to have that it it really does, and you, you don't see too many uh, games where they actually really focus on the chase mechanics. And just from what you're saying, it sounds real really awesome. I'm glad you you have even just like the random generation like uh, table to add in extra things that can get in the way. So speaking of that, um, how much, especially since this is an investigation game, and it sounds like it could be a little daunting for GMs who are usually used to the uh, combat focused games. Do you have, what kind of resources do you have to help uh, GMs run a game? Yeah. I mean, that's uh, because since it is this investigation focus of the game that it means it runs a bit differently, but um, the, Traditionally, uh, having, I mean, many games have done investigations before, but it's kind of a pitfall or, or an, a challenge with this type of game is, is that if the investigation, if the players go in the wrong way or they don't find the right clues, it kind of stalls and it, mm -hmm. it doesn't go anywhere. So you kind of, and then you end up in a situation as the game master, we kind of have to feed them the information or nudge them in the right direction because, but that 
in itself is less fun because then you thought, might feel like you know you're not you know you're being, being railroaded. Being so that 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 is kind of the typical challenge of an investigation style game. And what we tried to do to avoid that uh, and and to help the GM run it is that of course you have there's one we're not the first game to do this, but the one thing, one method to get around the problem is is to have each clue not in one place, but you have, uh, you can, uh, if there's a key clue that you have to find in order to progress, it should not just be one place to find it, or it should be, ideally, you can, you, what you want is, is multiple avenues to reach, you know, to proceed and reach the next step yeah. of the investigation. And that's kind of been the way we, put all these clues together in a way in the official uh, case file that is, that is out in the starter set that you kind of build it in that way so that it's it doesn't have blockers in that sense. And another method that we use is something called a, a countdown, uh, which is a bit of a timer that most case files, at least the first one and, and probably most of the ones that we will be doing, uh, there is something happening. There's something going on that is beyond that. So it's it, there is a timer. So if you don't solve the case quickly enough or whether even if you do do it quickly there is still going to be things that happen whether you that is not depending on you so there's stuff happening that you cannot control that we kind of also push the story along and and push the drama and and, and action along even if your investigation doesn't go that fast so basically it, you don't even have to solve the case that's kind of what, one thing that we also introduced that the, the, it will because of this countdown and that it will kind of push the story along to a conclusion even if you're not on top of the case which is kind of also makes sense from if you look at the films that uh i mean the original film uh, the the replicants are on on earth and and deckard is, is trying to find them but he's not really doing a great job at that because Obviously, Roy Batty finds, uh, you know, Eldon Tyrell and kills him before Deckard manages to find them. So basically, that's kind of an example of the kind of thing that could happen in this game is that if you're not fast enough tracking down whatever you're doing, it could be anything, but there was something will happen that, that will push the story along anyway. And that, that kind of, so the investigation is important, but it's not the only way to progress the story, to have this kind of timer and countdown, to have other events happening around the investigation is, is also a way to not to help the GM push the story along and, and not kind of get stuck. Um, so that's, that's definitely a tools for helping the GM run the game. Um, I think there's also, uh, we want to encourage uh, groups and game masters creating their own case files. And there's a generator for that in the core book. You can kind of use dice rolls and roll up a case, even though you'll probably need to flesh it out and, and do stuff, but still uh, you can, Use it that gives you the bones. Yeah, it can give you the bones of it. Yeah, that that, that sounds really. It it's almost sounds like you've created the game to almost create your own movies. Was was that kind of an inspiration for yeah, creating this? So. Yeah, I mean, at least to, to create your own Blade Runner movie. Definitely. I mean, that's. That's what we wanted to do. I mean, that's kind of in, in the, for the alien RP that we've done also, we even call a, one type of scenario called cinematic scenarios. And those are really meant to feel like you're playing an alien film. And, and yeah, I mean, I think the case files in the, in, in, for Blade Runner are also made so that it 
should feel like you're playing a Blade Runner film, definitely. Yeah, no, that okay. Now that you brought up the Alien movie, uh, the Aliens with Blade Runner, there. When I asked my Discord, I was like, "Hey, is there any questions?" One question that came up a few times: Are these worlds in the same universe? That is a good question. Uh, I cannot <laughs> say that they are or they are not. Uh, I mean, technically, it's not the same license. I mean, we have separate license owners for this. Yeah. Uh, it's not the same company that owns the rights to Blade Runner and Alien. So we cannot just mix them up as we like or as we want in the product. We can't do, you know, a crossover yeah. product. I mean, at least not. We don't have... You know, at, at this point, that's not something we can do. <laughs> that said, though, that, that said, it doesn't mean uh, it's not the case. Uh, so it's really, but that question we really leave up to gaming groups to, to work as they want to. If, if, if groups want to, you know, mash up and combine Alien and Blade Runner into their game, you know, go ahead and do it, uh, definitely. But it's not, we cannot officially confirm or deny this <laughs> that's such that's such an official answer i love it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so one thing while i was listening to you another thing you brought up was the fact it, it sounds like you plan to support this game and release more case files as time progresses um am i right on that assumption Oh yeah, definitely. We're already getting started on the second case file uh, right now. It's kind of just drawing up the main bits of it. Uh, so that's happening. Uh, and we're also want to, because I think, even though I think it made sense to focus the core game on playing Blade Runners, mm -hmm. that's the name of the game, obviously, and, and all both films have the protagonist are, are Blade Runners. So it kind of made sense to start there. But we know uh, uh, quite a few players have, uh, you know, been asking for other playing other types of characters in this universe, and and uh, that's something we want to do. But then it would probably be more like a campaign book or something that kind of opens up the game to play some other type of character, which could be fun. Uh, we haven't. There is no solid decision on this yet, and not something we can say for sure. But it's at least something we're thinking about. Oh, that. That is interesting. I can I like I can think of a few of a few different ways I would like to play this game, but no, that that sounds really, really, really neat. I know I say I I think any of my listeners who listen, they probably think, man, he says that everything is cool and everything is neat. But <laughs> I'm sorry, but like whenever I talk to, you can tell the passion of the project that's coming off of you, and like it just it makes things so exciting, like. I want to play this game now. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. So uh, when's the official release? The official release date is actually on Tuesday, the 13th. Um, we know that there are still backers, Kickstarter backers out there who have not yet received the game, uh, and especially in, in Europe, actually. I think most in the US have it. Now, maybe not everyone, but at least they think they're finishing up they should be done like today, I think, uh, shipping out from the warehouse, the U.S. warehouse that ships to U.S. and Canada. So, so hopefully, I mean, but but yeah, definitely, we do hope that that uh, everyone, all of the backers, first and should get it, and then it should start appearing in in, in stores as well. But uh, yeah, the official release day is next is on Tuesday. Awesome, and 
you guys have done now Lord of the Rings, Aliens, Blade Runner. How do you top that? That is not easy. Yeah, that is, <laughs> those are some pretty heavy, you know, licenses. Uh, so it's it, uh, and it's. I think for us, it's not really uh, the the. the uh, we're not only looking for like the biggest licenses. That's not a and and kind of the the end goal in itself. I think for us to do because we do also do our own original games that are not based on any license we have. Yeah. A game called Middlelands and Simberum and Coriolis and some others that are not based on any previous publication or film or anything. Um, but for the licensed games are fun. I mean, I enjoyed them, and that's not not just to kind of get more, uh, you know, attention. Even though that it does help on that front oh, as yeah. well. But but it's also the, I think the, uh, I really enjoy working with. I mean, for me, it's kind of a dream to work with you know Blade Runner, Alien, The One Ring, Walking Dead, and all of these. But uh, it's uh, the, and that has to be. I think that's the way we see it. Is it has to be a franchise that we're kind of passionate about, because that's the only way it's going to become a good game. So any, even though any big franchise, if no one in our team has a you know strong passion for that particular franchise, where we would not do that game. So uh, it doesn't really matter if it, the next one, whatever that is, I don't know. Uh, I mean, we're doing uh, The Walking Dead, which we announced a, a little while back, so that's coming. But beyond that, after that, we don't know uh, when, what that would be, another franchise, whether we're doing another franchise. But whatever it is, if we do one, it doesn't have to be like bigger than the previous ones. It just needs to be the, the, the right one. That's kind of what matters. No, that definitely makes sense. Uh, do you have um, one of your, like, do you have an RPG that you've made that has a, especially kind of a soft spot in your heart? Um, I think, I mean, all of them really in some have a soft spot in, in my heart in some way, definitely. I think, I mean, it's hard to pick one and I don't want to do that. But of course, the first <laughs> one that we did in, not the first game that we released, actually, but the first one that we released internationally is called mutant year zero and that's uh that's the first one where that we did in english and released you know outside of of uh, before that we only did a few games in swedish and also because mutant year zero is actually and was a was and is the new version of uh, an older game uh, rpg called just mutant that was one actually the very first rpg that i ever played in 1985 so doing Mutant Year Zero was kind of, you know, doing that first, you know, and my take on my first RPG. And that was also the first game that kind of made, uh, that led to Free League being something more than just a local publisher. So if, so that for, that, for those reasons, I think Mutant Year Zero has a bit of a special place, I think. Oh, no, I don't blame you. Mutant Year Zero, I, it's actually the first... Uh rpg that i was introduced to from free league and it kind of holds a little special spot in my heart just because not only was it the first um like free league product that i saw but it was actually the first post-apocalyptic game i saw and i i just mm. loved it so yeah no that one i really liked and then i found out it was actually based off another system i was like oh that's super cool and i still actually that's on my list on one of the games i want to try and get just mm -hmm. to see how the inspiration works out because i inspiration like is i find one of the most important parts of 
RPGs because you can tell when someone is not inspired. Um, yeah. And kind of speaking of that, where, where do you find most of your inspiration from? When you're designing, I, yeah, I mean, anywhere and everywhere, I guess. I mean, uh, I'm the way. I mean, in terms of game design, my role is typically kind of more on the rules and structure side. I, mm-hmm. I enjoy good good setting, but and of course, but I don't typically. I'm not the guy who writes that. Typically, yeah. I have done some of it, but I tend to lean more into structure and and and, and rules mechanics and uh, inspiration for that can come from anything from our own games from you know rethinking things hearing things playing other rpgs reading other rpgs getting ideas and and uh, and and uh, you know it's, it's just a kind of a constant thing uh it's actually what i'm doing right now is kind of reviewing uh actually not not rules that i wrote but but uh, i'm actually going through uh, rules for for uh, the Walking Dead game that Nils Hintze, another designer, has written, and I'm kind of just enjoying going through that kind of you know because it's always designing an RPG is is uh, always teamwork, so it's uh, mm-hmm. just you know it's uh, it, I'm getting inspired by it because it's kind of nice fun because he's using the Year Zero engine that I kind of you know that originally came from Mutant Year Zero and and kind of and then he. T- did his take on that and then kind of goes back and forth like that. That is very, that is a great inspiration. So that's fun. All right. So one last question. Um, If you could give advice to someone who's either just starting off in the RPG scene and the designing aspect, or even wanting to break into the industry, what is one big tip that you'd give them? Yeah. I mean, I think the only tip that I, I, could give and 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 it's just to kind of do it to create the games that you want and try to get them out there i think that's i mean there are many ways to do that now i mean with you know pdf drive through rpg or or anything else and we have community content programs if 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 people want to write something you know for for our games or create their own stuff but i think just getting started getting it out there getting it played I think it's the best starting point. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, we work with some designers as well. We, ha- we mostly only publish our own things, but we have published some, some games by others as well. So uh, I think, but, but I think starting out just doing it, I think is definitely, and playing it. And if you can, I think a good idea is, is if, if, if you can, is it not to just do it all yourself? I mean, to, because it's, you might be able to create a brilliant game only by your completely by your by yourself, but I think it's it helps immensely to be like a small team to have a few people helping out, testing the game, playing the game. Maybe one person is better at you know trying out some basic graphic design, someone is better at writing. I mean, this to have a small team and 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 not do it all just one person. I think is something if you if that's possible. I think that's that's something I would that's an advice I'd give. Awesome. Thank you very much. Well, Thomas, I'd love to say thank you for joining me today. This was fantastic. Um, Blade Runner, it's going to be an amazing RPG. Uh, I've already looked through it and I absolutely love it. So I recommend anyone who hasn't just backed it to check it out on release. It is great. Um, I'll post some 
yeah, no problem. I'll post some links in the description. So if you guys want to check out check it out yourself, you'll be able to see it in the description of the episode. Uh, again, thank you, Thomas. Thank you. Um, and I hope everyone enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>